This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Jim. And uh, I am really thrilled to be here with you this morning. I say that sincerely. Uh, I have such a great love and respect for Life Church and uh, for your pastor, Jim and Carrie, and for their pastoral team. Uh, we thank God for them. Uh, what a great, great work of God that is happening here. Um, it's really a privilege for me to have the opportunity to uh, share God's word with you this morning. And I have some thoughts that I want to share with you about sustaining your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And just before we go to the scriptures, uh, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the revelation of your holy word. We thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, leading us to salvation, leading us into a relationship with Jesus Christ, and then into maturity in him. We thank you, Father, for your presence in this body of people here today that is amplified as we come together to worship you, to pray, and to learn of you from your word. We pray that the Holy Spirit would sharpen our minds and hearts. May we receive and understand those things that you would minister to our understanding today to strengthen us in the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask this in his great and mighty name. Amen. Amen. In the last letter that the Apostle Paul wrote, he was in a prison cell in the city of Rome. He was writing to a young minister by the name of Timothy, and he said, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. That's really a significant statement. I've fought the good fight. You know, there's a lot of fights we can fight, but there's a good fight. There's a fight that's really worth fighting. And the Apostle Paul engaged in that, that fight for the souls of men and women and, uh, and for his own soul. The Apostle Paul says, I have finished the race. He was nearing the end of his life. We don't know exactly how the Apostle Paul uh, met death, but uh, it's very possible that he was executed by the Emperor Nero following uh, the occasion in which he was imprisoned here in Rome. And he had finished his life's course. And he says, most significantly, I have kept the faith. The Apostle Paul had an incredible conversion experience. If you remember the story in the book of Acts, he was uh, on his way to persecute the church of Jesus Christ, and he had this incredible visitation by Jesus Christ himself, and he came into the understanding that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. He, in fact, was the promised Messiah to the nation of Israel, and the Apostle Paul came to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. That started a whole new journey in life for him, as he would now live for Christ and serve him in the manner that God was calling him to serve. And during the course of those years in which he would minister the gospel of Jesus Christ and establish churches going from place to place as a missionary, 
the Apostle Paul encountered many challenges to his personal faith in Jesus Christ. And no doubt, as you and I make our way through this life, as followers of Jesus Christ, there are going to be occasions, there's going to be experiences, there may even be some seasons in life in which our faith in Jesus Christ is being severely challenged. It is my prayer that each and every one of us will be able to come to the conclusion of our lives and say together with Paul, I have kept the faith. I don't know that there's anything more precious than faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's through faith in him that we receive this marvelous gift of salvation. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we receive the hope of eternal life. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we come into right relationship with God. That faith is so very, very important. The scripture says, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You know, Satan has come as a thief to kill, steal, and destroy to whatever degree he possibly can. But Jesus has come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And Satan would like to damage, if not destroy, your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to talk about just a few things this morning that we encounter, I believe, along the way, most of us, that challenges our faith and the strength that we find to overcome in the work, the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. When, for example, you think that God does not love you, I want you to look at the cross. I think we've all had moments in which we have wondered, could God possibly love me? I am so guilty of so many sins. I've done so many things wrong. You may be a Christian and a follower of Jesus, and yet you've stumbled along the way, and you wonder, can God possibly still love me? But God's love for us is not contingent upon our performance. It's not contingent upon any human righteousness that we may be able to muster, and yet that's a temptation that we face to our faith. Sometimes we look at our circumstances and problems that we're facing in life and, and we wonder, does God really love me? If God loved me, my car would not have broken down at this time on the way to work this morning and jeopardize my job at this company. If God loved me, I wouldn't be facing these reverses in life. Sometimes we judge the love of God on the basis of the circumstances that we are experiencing in life, the disappointments that come our way in life. But I want you to hear what the Word of God says concerning the measure and demonstration of God's love. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, it says, This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is reemphasized in Romans chapter 5 where it says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, 
Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? This is the demonstration of God's love, and that is Jesus Christ giving his life on the cross for you and me. The demonstration of his love is not to be found in the sin-cursed world in which we live. It's not to be found in the circumstances that may be immediate in our lives necessarily, but it's always to be found in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And it's important that we all receive the assurance that God loves you and God loves me, regardless of our history, regardless of our failings, regardless of our sins, God still loves you and offers his wonderful forgiveness and life because of what Jesus did on the cross. And when you think that God is condemning you, I want you to look at the cross. Condemnation means to pronounce judgment. Listen to what the Bible says concerning condemnation in John chapter 3. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. God did not send Jesus Christ into the world to condemn the world. That is an important truth for us to understand and to receive into our hearts. Satan is the accuser of the brethren, the Bible says, and he likes to come along and he likes to condemn us. He likes to cast sentence upon us. He likes for us to feel that God is judging us for our sins when, as a matter of fact, God is not condemning us. That's an amazing, amazing truth. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. If he had come into the world to condemn the world, we would not be alive today sitting in this beautiful sanctuary. Instead, we would all be consigned to an eternity without God because God would have been expressing his judgment, his condemnation at that time when Jesus Christ came into the world. I think one of the mistakes we make sometimes is that we mistake the discipline of God in our lives for condemnation. Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world. And there is now, the Bible says, therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set us free from the law of sin and death. But here's what God does do. He convicts us of our sins. This is part of the work of the Holy Spirit. He convinces us of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. But he doesn't do that to condemn us. He doesn't do that to judge us. He does that to reveal to us our need of God, our need to confess our sins, to repent, and to receive by faith God's forgiveness and God's grace and love in our lives. It's not a matter of condemnation. Sometimes even 
the uh, consequences that we experience here on this earth for the sins that we commit. We feel as though we are being condemned by God. Well, we do reap what we sow. That's the reality of our life here on this earth. However, Jesus Christ on the cross took God's full judgment upon himself that you and I deserved for our sins. And so for all of eternity, we will be free from that judgment because of what Jesus Christ has done. And the immediate consequences of our misdeeds and sins on this earth are not a matter of God condemning us, but rather they are the natural consequence of our sins. And part of what God has allowed in this season of grace to bring us to the realization of our need for him, it is part of the discipline that God is exacting upon the human heart the difficulties that we face in life. You know, Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And listen to what this uh, scripture says in Hebrews chapter 12, endure hardship as a discipline. That's quite a statement that the scripture makes. Endure hardship as a discipline. God is treating you as his children. And in Hebrews 12, it says, God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. And so God is not condemning you. Praise God. He's training you. He's guiding you. He's helping you and I to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ, but in Christ there's no condemnation. And then when you think God has forsaken you, I want you to look at the cross. You may experience those moments, moments perhaps in which you're not sensing the presence of God emotionally. It's a wonderful thing to experience the presence of God, and, and I believe that all of us are brought into that experience. We've been experiencing that here this morning in our worship and as we've prayed together and so forth. But there are also times in our lives because we are emotional beings as well as intellectual beings in which emotionally we're not going to feel what we felt before. Our emotions rise and they fall. And there may even be dry seasons in our lives, it seems to us, in which, as some would say, the heavens seem like brass. You know, it's, it's like you're not feeling the presence of God anymore. You're not sensing uh, in your human senses that God is near like you would like. And you begin to wonder, has God abandoned me? But no, he hasn't. God will not forsake you. And we have that assurance by looking at the cross. In Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 22, it says, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. My wife and I have a living trust and a last will and testament, and, and um, it's sitting there in my files at home, and it's ready to go, but uh, that will, that living trust 
that covenant that's been established is not going to be put into motion until I die. And when I die, then those who are to benefit from our state, modest as it might be, then they will begin to receive that inheritance. It'll be distributed at that time. That's when that covenant comes into reality. And so it was with Jesus when he died on the cross, he was putting into play a new testament, a new covenant, an opportunity for relationship with God to all who would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that Jesus is the guarantor. He has guaranteed this covenant relationship with God when he died on the cross for you and for me. And so it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter whether you come to church on a Sunday morning and emotionally it's just not happening for you or emotionally it's just going through the roof for you. That really ultimately doesn't matter in this whole issue of whether or not you belong to God, whether or not God is with you because Jesus has guaranteed this covenant relationship between you and God when he died on the cross. And when he says in his word, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, those are the words of the one who guaranteed that covenant. When I say to my two sons, sons, when I die, you're going to get this old used car that I've got. They know because it's written in that will that when I die, it's been guaranteed they are going to receive that inheritance. The just shall live by faith. And when you think God is unjust, I want you to look at the cross. We're tempted to think sometimes that God is unjust. And we may be even inclined to think that because there's so much injustice in the world today, everywhere we turn, that surely if God were just, he would intervene. He would ensure that justice is always enacted in human relationships on this earth. If God were just, he would intervene on behalf of the innocent ones. He would make sure that nobody is victimized by crime. He would make sure that every criminal is brought to justice, etc. He would exact justice in our society today. But when you are tempted to think that God is unjust, I want you to look at the cross, and here's why. In Romans chapter 3, Verses 23 through 26, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. Now listen to this. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so that as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. 
if God were to demonstrate his justice in this moment as uh, the way many people in our world would like for him to, they'd be disappointed in the outcome because we would all come under God's judgment. He would bring an end to human society as we know it, but God in this present time because of his forbearance has chosen not to punish men and women for their sins, but rather to give them a period of grace, a season in which as they experience their sin and their need of God, they can turn to him and receive his forgiveness and receive the justification that is theirs through faith in Jesus Christ, their Lord. Here's what God did. He is indeed a just and holy God, but he poured out his judgment on his son, Jesus Christ, that you and I deserve so that in turn he might pour out upon us his grace and the opportunity to be saved. God is just, and he will be for all of eternity. And we understand from the scripture that there's coming a day that the Bible describes as the great white throne judgment when finally God will say it's time and all who have not received his gift of salvation and the work of Jesus Christ in their lives will be judged for their sins and will receive the eternal punishment that comes along with that. And just one more thought. When you think there is no hope, I want to encourage you to look at the cross and the empty tomb, this finished work of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul said this is of first importance, that Jesus died for our sins and was buried and then was raised on the third day. The Apostle Peter said it like this, in 1 Peter chapter 1, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. We all need hope. It is like fuel to the human heart. And the Bible says that God is the God of hope. And Jesus Christ, when he came and gave up his life for us, and then through his resurrection demonstrated and confirmed that his work on the cross was fully sufficient for our salvation, he was bringing hope into the human experience that was absolutely unprecedented. And God brings hope into our lives today when we look at the cross and we look at the empty tomb and we consider that for time and eternity, there is hope presented to us by God who has a plan for your life, who has a plan for my life, not just for 70 years on this earth, but for all of eternity. It is a living hope. 
when our hope is fixed on things that can be corrupted and when our hope is fixed on things that are temporary and pass away, we find that our hope is always fading and diminishing and never growing stronger. And as our bodies fail us and we approach the grave, if all we have is the hope we can find in this world, that hope is soon going to be extinguished. But in Jesus Christ, we have a living eternal hope that sustains and strengthens us and gives us expectation for tomorrow and for eternity in Jesus Christ, our Lord. A dear friend of mine and friends I know of Jim and Carrie, Jean and Rhonda Roncone, pastor, High Point Church in Aurora, Colorado, and they are wonderful people and a wonderful family. And their son, Gino, was a terrific young man. And growing up, Gino received a call from God into the ministry, and he went off to Bible school. And then, after a couple years there, returned home and uh, to finish his degree at Colorado Christian University, and he started working for his dad at High Point Church as a youth pastor, and uh, he was living life to the fullest. He had the world by the tail. He was a handsome young man. He was uh, physically fit. He was climbing the 14ers in Colorado, the mountains, uh, over 14,000 feet in elevation. There's like 53 of them there and probably more here in Utah. And, and he was just making the most of life and he was engaging in his studies and engaging in the work of the ministry. And it was discovered about a year ago that Gino had cancer, just 23 years old. And he entered a valiant battle against that disease. But unfortunately, last summer, Gino was overcome by the cancer and he died. And it was heartbreaking for that church, for the Ron Cohn family, and for all who knew Gino. And thinking and praying through this whole scenario, you know, we, we, we don't understand everything that happens. It's hard to understand why God would allow a 23-year-old man who loved him so much for his life to be taken from him. But I was brought back to the scripture in John chapter 11 by the Holy Spirit where Jesus was speaking to Martha whose brother Lazarus had died and he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And as that soaked into Martha's mind, he would then elevate her understanding and faith a little bit more and say, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die, Martha. And though his body was in the tomb, yet his soul was in the presence of his creator, God. And Lazarus had not died because he had his faith in Jesus Christ. And so it was with Gino and the Holy Spirit just reminded me of something that I, I knew intellectually, but emotionally it wasn't sinking in. And that is that Gino continues to live on. The purpose God has for his life is still being fulfilled. 
the hope that God had given Gino didn't expire when he was 23 years old. It lives on into eternity, and he's there serving Christ today in all of his glory. And friends, you have hope in Jesus Christ. No matter how dark the circumstances of your life may be at this moment, you have a living hope in Jesus Christ you'll keep your faith in him. Let's pray. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.